Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Marn. This is the Argonauts Podcast. Every two weeks, I'm going to go in and try and solve old defunct ARGs. And Marn's going to tell me what I should have done instead. I am. Marn, what are we going to cover this week? This week, we are going to cover, finally, the Gravity Falls Cypher Hunt ARG. Something not cult-related. Is it cult-related, Marn? Uh, you have to tell me if it's cult-related. It's not. It is uh, demon... It is extra-dimensional demon-related. Oh, okay. But, like, in a fun and quirky way. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's let's do it. One of these days I'm going to find the cheerful ARG my little heart desires. Alright, uh, so to start us off, uh, we've got a couple of great questions coming our way this week. Um, I like this one. This one comes from Danny on Twitter. Uh, they say, have you guys ever incorporated things you learn about puzzles slash building stories slash etc. from ARGs into tabletop role-playing game campaigns, both playing or GMing them? Uh, Marn, have you ever incorporated stuff into that? Uh, yes, but not so much as a DM and more so when I was running Humans vs. Zombies at my college, I took a lot of knowledge from ARGs into like how to get players interested in a story through like doing puzzles and activities uh Mm -hmm. we found out that our players really liked solving like codes and riddles so sometimes we give them codes and let them solve it for like bonus stuff we did a semester where we did like creepy spooky like promo videos that were kind of based on like marble hornets and that led into like a marble hornet space game that had like hidden online videos for one part that the players had to like find and go through that's super cool yeah we did a uh puzzle i think this is the game it was either this one or um the one we did afterwards where they got a clue that was like a link to a website that had 11 hours of like looped fake security footage on it and they had to like go through the entire video and find like this one part that had a character in it with like important information (laughs) jesus you're a sadist and we also did one uh where it was like an easter egg hunt and every egg had like a code for them to decode in it um and i actually that's very cool a lot of the like gravity falls codes in that because I knew that people knew them and like how to decode them. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess if you're gonna start with one, you better start small, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. I haven't really incorporated things into the game from a like I haven't incorporated ciphers into a, a tabletop role playing game or anything like that. Um, but the big lesson that I've taken from ARGs and put into a game is about patience. Um, yeah. Weirdly enough, it wasn't until I really got into ARGs and realized how much, uh, how important breathing room could be to enjoying and understanding a game that I really felt like I should put it into a, um, into just a, a tabletop game. Um, I used to be very, hey, we've got uh, this one semester to get through this whole book. So let's go, 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 go. And try and hammer everything away that I could um, and make sure like every session has to have a big fight. Every session has to do something cool. Every session has to do X, Y, Z. And it wasn't until I got into ARGs and saw like broader long form gameplay developing that I realized, oh, not every, you know, there's, there's value in the quiet moments. Um, And where, you know, 
there's value in letting players sit and think about ideas and where um where my players look around and go huh i don't know where this story goes next but we are meeting to play D, and we don't have any active clues which means that i either have to a find my own clues or b figure out what like i as a character want to do in the absence of clues and that has led to some of the more rewarding tabletop gameplay that we've had as a as a group um which culminated in you know, right now i'm playing through um uh waterdeep dragon heist it's one of the more recent modules that uh wizards of the coast has put out and there were a good three or four sessions that were just kind of a small business simulator as we figured out how to run a tavern and get stuff figured out with that and deal with characters and like other people and just explore a world that didn't actually exist and and that's what args are (laughs) yeah Uh, just with less uh direct rules about who you are as a character um so it's been really cool i'm playing in that one but i not to toot my own horn but i like to think that me as a dm has shifted our style into working with that and i feel (laughs) like we've incorporated it pretty well as a as a group to know what we like now so that's my big takeaway from ARGs into tabletop gameplay. Yeah, I agree. I think downtime and like space for the players to kind of like theorize about stuff that's going on is super important in any kind of game like that. Yeah, it's 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 a cool thing to have it. For one thing, it's neat to have it as downtime, you know, for a week between sessions yeah. or whatever. But it's another thing to have it in character and to have to realize, like, oh, I'm I'm still playing a character in these moments that I'm not <laughs> actively fighting a goblin, aren't I? Yeah. Um. Also, I unrelated, but there are uh, ciphers in the the player's handbook to translate uh, text directly into Elvish and Dwarven. So if you want to oh, add yeah. some kind of code or something like that, uh, that's a way to do it. Yeah, when I was a DM, I just made my players do a lot of puzzles that were kind of mean puzzles. <laughs> I ran a one-shot that was just, like, the players navigating a murder mystery mansion that was, like, full of death traps. <laughs> the meanest trap I've ever heard of for D&D is that you have a, uh, you have, you walk into a room, and it's, like, a perfectly square, you know, or perfectly cubed room or whatever, um... But in the floor, there's a divot in the shape of, like, a medium-sized human's body. I know exactly what this is because I made my players do this puzzle. Oh, you're a monster. Uh, but the floor, or the, the ceiling starts to come down. Um, and from the look of things, there's enough room for one person to lay down in that hole and be safe. And everyone else will be crushed to death. Uh, so your party gets to decide who will go in the hole. Uh, and... The secret of the puzzle is that uh, the ceiling stops before it would actually crush anyone. Uh, you just let the players kill themselves to be the one that gets to survive before that happens. <laughs> if I was yeah. more of a monster, I would spring that on my players. Instead, I'm just going to tell them about it on the podcast. <laughs> actually, and then I'm going to do it so I can see if they actually listen to this or not. Oh my Be God. warned, guys. Yeah, I did a variation on that where the ceiling was like illusion magic and it just passed right through them as soon as they touched the spikes. <laughs> That's great. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Do you want to hit the next question? Yes. Uh, Becca on Twitter asked us, what are the ARGs you feel upset that you missed out on or wish you participated in? And there's a second question, but we should talk about this one first. Um. 
it feels kind of cheeky to say it, but all of them, which is why I agreed to co-host this podcast. <laughs> um, honestly, my first interest into ARGs was reading a Cracked article that was like, five insane alternate reality games that happened right under your nose or something like that. Um, and I read that and thought, this is the coolest thing I've ever, I've, I've never, this is the coolest thing I've never heard of before. Uh, how do I get into this? And then I saw that David Wong started one for his next book and it was off to the races for me. Um, but all of them is a little too cheeky. So I will say the, uh, the nine inch nails, uh, is it year zero? Is that yeah, what they called zero. it? Uh, that ARG sounds super cool where it was done primarily through, uh, flash drives in bathrooms at concerts, um, where they would drop flash drives into the bathrooms or like write things on the walls in wherever the band was playing. Um, and those formed the backbone of the game. That sounds super cool. I'm not even a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, but that sounds super cool. Yeah, I, um, I kind of loosely followed that, but a lot of the work that I put into figuring out what was going on was kind of like after it had died out. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that one's super interesting. Um, I wish I had been more involved in the Dark Knight ARG because Batman is super my shit. (laughs) Um, and I... I kind of wish I had been more involved in like I Love Bees, which we're going to cover eventually because it's super interesting. And it's like one of the original ARGs that like people consider kind of like a pillar of the medium. What would you consider is on that pillar? I don't know. I know I Love Bees is definitely one because that kind of brought the public perception of ARGs uh, a lot higher. Um I know people consider, like, the AI movie had an ARG in, like, 2001. Um, Okay. Did we even have internet back then? Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) I guess as far as, like, modern ARGs go, I don't know. It's it's hard because the genre is, like, so saturated now. Yeah. I feel like the pillars are a lot shorter than they used to be. But that's kind of how everything is. Maybe like Frog Fractions, though. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. that I think Frog yeah, Fractions is definitely... That's a good of, argument, yeah. Yeah. I That's probably something I would hold up as like a very good example of like what modern ARGs can be. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. What was the other half of this question? Uh, yeah, uh, and then the other half of Becca's question was uh do y'all prefer games like this where there's actual physical things to do or mostly online ones um which spoilers for this episode but it sounds like there's stuff to do in the real world um but what do you think martin um i kind of like args that are a mixture of both um mostly because as we've said our previous episodes like whenever args happen that there's like physical things to do in real life that are usually not near either of us. Yeah. Um, so I kind of prefer a mixture. Like I think real life, real time events are super cool and interesting and also like getting sent stuff in the mail and stuff like that. Um, but I think that it's definitely more accessible to more players if there is some kind of online component. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play one that's just, physical based 
Um, I like having something to puzzle over with a group of people. Um, to me, that is a that's the most important part of the genre is having something that you have to work with other people to solve. Um, and so working with those people online is a much easier to do than it is to say, uh, you know, if everything takes place in the real world, like, um, like Satoshi's puzzle hunt is going on right now. And that one is a lot of, Hey, find this thing in real life. Uh, and that on one hand is cool, but on the other hand, unless you're in, usually New York or California, uh, and by California, I mean like LA or San Diego. Um, there just isn't much that you can do unless it's at an event like, uh, San Diego Comic-Con or something like that. Um, because of that, I would just prefer something online. It's more accessible and you get a lot more people working. Yeah. But I will never turn down getting something in the mail or having a meetup be close enough that I can go to it. I've just never gotten to experience it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, next question comes from Bumbler B or Bumbler Bia. Uh, and they say, I'm curious, what other shows would you love or would have loved an ARG for? Marn, what's your, um, you get one shot, someone approaches you and says, hey, we're going to give you an unlimited budget to make an ARG based off of blank. What do you want blank to be? Netflix, please let me make a ARG for the OA. Give me $800 <laughs> and I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like literally astounding to me that their whole second season is based on an app that's an ARG and no one was like oh this is a cool viral marketing <laughs> thing that we could do you know what we should do just actually do it I'm so mad <laughs> <laughs> that is wild to me that nobody actually did that yeah like, I get that their thing is, like, they don't market their show a lot besides, like, cryptic Instagram posts and, like, they release a trailer, like, a month before the new season drops. But seriously, yeah. guys. Yeah, but, dog, cryptic Instagram posts are what ARGs are all about. That's true. I was here when we recorded the Adult Swim ARG episode. I know <laughs> how they go. That's the point, y'all. There have been more, uh... There's been more uh, Instagram movement in that ARG, too. Oh, has there? I have I not been able to pay tabs. much attention. No, I need to reinstitute. I need to get, like, a fake Insta a burner Instagram and Facebook account for stuff. I just don't want to be tracked by the internet. Yeah, that's fair. It's deeply frustrating. <laughs> I, I just made my Instagram private again, because I was like, I don't know why I ever made it public in the first place. Like, only family and friends see this anyway there's no point <laughs> yeah i know what you mean what tv show would you make an arg for or any property i guess i was gonna say i'm gonna cheat it's not gonna be a tv show um i want to make a magic the gathering arg i think that there are enough weird uh creepy planes uh we could go back to innistrad the gothic horror setting uh, we could do something with Phyrexia, which is a living plane of, like, living machines and creatures merged into one being connected by a hive mind. You've got all these cryptic planeswalkers and artifacts and things like that that I think that making something that exists in the magic universe would be neat. And there's a lot of lore and um, literal gameplay pieces to draw from to make that happen. I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been a magic ARG. I know D&D did one. 
there actually now that i'm actually saying i would do this there was a tiny one um let me find this card real quick uh magic had a card that was printed and just got pulled out of a random booster pack that was called the magister of worth and on the back of that one card was a string of numbers i think there were i don't know how many were printed but there were a couple people that pulled them out of um cards from a different set when they called it they got this um they it was a long sequence of letters and numbers and then if you ran it through an online cryptogram solver uh it gave you the text for cogwork librarian which is a card that was being spoiled from a new set that was coming out so the first time they ever heard of it from a set called conspiracy that's right i forgot about this well there goes my answer it already happened Well, that's kind of like a small scale thing. I feel like you could All do right. like a big Magic the Gathering ARG. I could do that. Or I could do Pokemon ARG. Oh. Yeah, make it like uh, the Pokemon ARG, make it Porygon's Puzzle Hunt. Um, that's so cute. And you cute. have to track a rogue ai pokemon and in the end you reveal a new pokemon which is a electric dark type that is a computer virus bam hire me nintendo of america to design pokemon oh my gosh pokemon company hire andrew hire actually please for the love of god please hire me um <laughs> either company wizards of the coast nintendo hit me up i want to be someone's weird uncle that works at nintendo yeah similarly netflix hire me to market the oa thanks yeah give marn a show <laughs> We'll we'll adapt antlers and make it oh an God. ARG to promote it. I thought very seriously about doing an ARG to promote uh, one of the serials that I'm running right now, and then I was like, "Oh, that's so much work." <laughs> yeah, Marn, I don't know how you do all of the things that you do because I feel like every two weeks you turn around and you're like, "Hey, I have a new thing," and it's like, <laughs> "When did you do that? When do you? When do you? You don't sleep. I know that much." Uh, yeah, and I don't have a job currently, so um, I I spend a lot of my time literally just, like, sitting in a coffee shop writing for, like, four to five hours a day. <laughs> that'll do it. Okay. All right, you want to get to our less fun question? Yeah, um, our less... Well, it's not less fun, it's just we have <laughs> opinions. Um, uh, our last question is from Digital Roadmap. And it is, how do you feel about the competitive ARGs and their effect on the collaborative nature of the genre? I'm thinking this game or Satoshi's Treasure Hunt. I am against them. I thought Satoshi's Treasure Hunt was going to be really cool, and I was very optimistic going into it. But now that some players are starting to get keys and codes and stuff like that, uh, a lot of stuff that I've seen and people I've interacted with have had it devolve into this weird standoff about whether or not you can give out clues and stuff, where it's like, hey, I'd like to help out with the puzzles. And it's like, well, I got two keys. How many do you have? (laughs) Great. I'll be in charge here. It's a very weird case. And I think that's always going to happen when you have a million dollars on the line of this puzzle hunt. It just, yeah. it's, it's, it really feels like it kills the fun element of, of ARGs and collaborative storytelling and puzzle solving and turns it into this weird grind for money that I'm just not very into. Yeah, I feel like where 
I feel like you have to be really careful about doing ARGs where the players are actively encouraged not to share information with each other because inevitably it's going to kind of end up in a situation like that. Whereas I think there are ARGs that can have a competitive component and still be good ARGs. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like um, Perplexity, which I want to cover eventually, uh, had all of the players working together to solve puzzles and solve like the puzzle cards, but also kind of at the center of it was the players were looking for this one object that they knew that only one person was going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a pretty good balance of like community work and kind of like doing your own puzzle work to like figure out where this object is. And I know that there's always a bit of, I don't even know that I'd call it competitive nature to it, but in ARGs that have props or stuff like that that go out, you know, one person will get it. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, at the end of Frog Fractions 2, one person got the button to fire off the device. Um, things like that. Um, but at the end, there's, you could make that kind of competitive, but not really, because at the end, everyone's working together to do a thing. I feel like with Satoshi's Treasure Hunt, in the end, your main goal is to win money. And that, you know, we live in a society that's a real thing that a lot of people need. And so it's hard to begrudge anyone who wants to be competitive to get that money. But I feel like the game as a whole, I don't know, becomes less pure. Maybe I'm just an ideologue sitting on an ivory throne, but it just, when you have that much money on the line, it feels like a blood sport rather than an actual fun game. Yeah, um, I know Perplexity had the same thing where, like, the person who found the object got a sum of money, but, um, I know there was a lot of, like, heavily involved community stuff, so it wasn't kind of as solitary a thing. Gotcha. And I, and I know that, like, kind of by the end of the game, the community was really tight, so, like, it didn't specifically matter who got the money. I feel like that really worked in the favor of the people behind the ARG, uh, the Adult Swim ARG as well. Yeah. Um, just because the people that were doing it were the same people that did, you know, the other two ARGs. And so there was, as far as I can tell, and looking at the Discord now, it feels like it was a lot more playful in the end than it could have been. Um, especially when you have all of these teams eventually converging into like four super teams instead of a bunch of small independent teams. Um, but when those teams are put together based on like, hey, everyone get together and join our team so that we can solve this final puzzle, rather than like an exclusive, hey, you can join our team, but only if you already have a key and only if you already have ABC, it just becomes kind of, uh, yeah, I feel like a little I bit agree. of the magic is gone and it's just, it's, it's just definitely not for me. I, yeah, I weirdly think the Adult Swim ARG kind of did a good job of, uh, I guess, like, nerfing that aspect by putting all of the teams mostly on the same footing. Um, yeah. Because, like, the teams weren't supposed to share information, but, like, they did and they weren't strictly penalized for it, really. Right. Yeah, and there was a lot of... um. There was a lot of fun interplay within that game where, you know, things like, hey, don't share, don't share this or else this team gets booted or, 
um, you know, hey, you get to vote. Do you want to kick this team? At the end of the day, if a team got kicked, you would get to rejoin the game on another team. Um, yeah. And so it didn't really feel like... At the end of the day, that one was still all of us against the Heart and Brain Co. Yeah. Not everyone out for themselves to try and get the keys to Satoshi's treasure. Yeah. I I, I think definitely there has to be kind of like checks and balances when you have a competition system like that. Yeah. And generally, I'm not super competitive by nature, so that's never yeah. going to appeal to me. I understand that people are, but it's just not for me. Even when I was playing, like, competitive magic, I was there more for, like, hey, I'll help you test your deck so that you can be super competitive and try to win more than I was to try and win it all myself. Yeah, I don't mind competition, but um, I like it better when there's more of a community aspect and, like, people are really nice to each other and, like, courteous no matter what side you're on. Yeah, I agree with that. I just want everyone to have a good time. Basically. Yeah. Just be kind, be safe, have fun. (laughs) Be safe, be smart, and of course, beware. (laughs) I think that's all our questions. I think so. Do we want to get into... Uh, so you played a fun game this past weekend. Oh, I did. Tell me did. about, so I, I joined in for a little bit, uh, but you know a lot more about it than I do. So tell me about Smilebot. Yeah. So this past weekend, or I think, yeah, I think on Friday, uh, this discord bot dropped that is called Smilebot. Uh, ostensibly it's supposed to regulate the like emotional well-being of your discord server and like gauge uh what percentage of people are happy what percentage of people are angry etc um but it is actually kind of a very cleverly designed uh game within a game within a game and um i don't want to say too much about it because i really feel like it's best gone into completely blind but it is super fun. Um, I had a great time playing it with some of the other Orange Groves uh, people and a couple other people from like Twitter and the Orange Grove server. And we have played it twice now, and it remains extremely fun. You guys have a record, right? Yeah, we are currently third on the leaderboards, I believe. So... The first time we ran it, we finished in 20 hours, and we were third, uh, but we were the third of, like, six servers that had played it. Uh, now, I think there are... Yeah, now there are 50 servers that have played it, and we are we were third out of 50, but now we're four out of 50, as of literally right this moment. Uh, we replayed it yesterday and finished in 11 hours. Nice. I know That's... there I know there are a bunch of people who have played it a bunch of times trying to speedrun it, so we're trying to beat them. <laughs> and it's like a a Discord-based clicker game, basically, right? Like that's um, kind of the the general like on the surface that's what it kind of feels like. Yeah, that's how it starts off and that's how I would say like kind of the first couple hours of the game are is it's kind of like a Discord-based uh like resource management 
slash clicker game where you earn a certain amount of smiles per minute and you're trying to up that amount uh, and then you start earning these things called like labor tokens and you're trying to bring those up uh, and you can buy different perks that will increase the number of stuff that you're generating per minute. Um, and that is probably, I think, the part of the game that is most likely to kind of lose people um, mm -hmm. because it's a little bit slow going. But then once you start buying more stuff in like the little upgrade store, more like weird stuff starts happening with the bot and you find yourself in the middle of this like story that you're going through and it's super cool. Cool. So this is a good time to announce that we are going to be launching an Argonauts Discord server. Uh, and one of the first things that we're going to do is build out a room and an area where we can play this game. So if you're a fan of the Argonauts and want to come talk about it and talk about other uh, games and other ARGs and media recommendations and things like that, we're going to be starting up the server. Uh, we'll have an invite link in the show notes for all episodes going forward. Um, but we'll have a place to play Smilebot if you guys want to check that out because it sounds really cool and I'm sad that I missed out. So I want to yeah. actually I want to actually look at it sometime. I don't think I'll win any speedrunning records, but it looks super dope. I think the current record for completion is six hours. Does that seem incredible to you as someone that has played through the whole game? Um, Not especially because I think that the people who have the record right now were like the first people to beat it. So I think... Uh, they've literally been spending their time since then kind of optimizing the way to beat it. <laughs> like, I, I see on Twitter that one of them has made a spreadsheet figuring out exactly how much of their resources to spend and how much time. Oh, um, wow. And I heard that one of the other servers trying to speedrun it is just one person playing on three different Discord accounts. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if that's strictly true. Okay. All right. Well, uh, if you want to experience um, Smilebot, we will be setting up a Discord server and probably we'll probably announce when we're going to turn on the bot, I guess, if that's how it works. Um, and then we'll go from there. Uh, yeah. And after you beat it, you can also reset it to try and get a better score. So. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it, it kind of just like wipes your record and it lets you start over totally fresh to go for a better time which is what we did yesterday gotcha i wasn't sure if that was a built-in feature or if it was just well yep. we uninstalled and reinstalled the bot and so it started fresh <laughs> okay cool that sounds really cool it's very neat and i hope that you get to experience it because i had a lot of fun with it and i um am looking forward to continuing to play it because i feel like i um am really starting to get certain parts of it down very well and I'm starting to figure out kind of like what strategy is fun for me to play it. All right. Well, Marn will lead the charge in our new server. Yeah. Well, speaking of strange games ruled over by a malevolent spirit of some kind, that turns into a thing. I'm really spitballing here, but do we want to talk about Gravity Falls? Yeah, let's talk about Gravity Falls. I listened to the theme song a couple times today to get in the mood. <laughs> I'm Cam. I'm Jory. And we're the hosts of CWFP. The casual wrestling fan podcast 
your weekly universe-friendly alternative for WWE wrestling recaps, discussion, and riffs from two friends who just love wrestling. And occasionally also New Japan, Impact, and All Elite thoughts as well. If you're tired of Marks constantly booing a product they <laughs> regularly support and pay for, you can find us hosted on the Orange Groves Network or through your preferred podcasting app. Wait, why won't The Undertaker stop booing the company? I know that I sent you the actual factual trailhead this week and not just like a YouTube video. Yeah, so just as a reminder for everyone, uh, we do have trailheads for every game that we're um, going to be doing moving forward. Uh, we do make a post for those in our uh, on our Patreon. Uh, so if you want to join us at any level on our Patreon, uh, you can get access to our to the trailhead for different ARGs that we're going to cover at about the same time that I do. Uh, so we can kind of play through, if not together in body, then together in spirit. That was a weird way to word that. Um, but, Marn, this week you sent me a tweet from Alex Hirsch that said, let the games be... Oh, there's a hashtag that I didn't even think to decode. Oh Anyways, uh, it says, let the games begin. And then a hashtag that has something... I'm going to see if this translates directly using the cipher I've been doing. It does. Okay, and then a hashtag that is a scrambled phrase that is scrambled to Cypher Hunt, uh, which is the name of this ARG, if I remember correctly. So people are calling it? Mm-hmm. All right, and then the tweet itself is um, a strange manuscript-looking... Um, it looks like a piece of manuscript paper, uh, old and ruined and stained and cut and burned, um, but it has pictures of what look like... Uh, there's a pyramid at the top with light radiating out of it. And then in the middle, there are two pictures, one of which is some kind of, oh, it's some kind of column. And then probably a map to where in the column that thing is located uh, or where that corner is. And now that I'm seeing this, I think I'm piecing this together in a way that I wasn't before. Uh, but under that, uh, there is some writing in text that is scrambled. Under that, there is a figure that i know is a character that i think is named cypher bill yeah, cypher his, is that his right it's bill cypher yeah okay i've been on tumblr long enough to know who bill cypher is um <laughs> and who is a uh he himself is a pyramid with a single eye in the middle kind of the illuminati sign uh he has an arm sticking out and a top hat um and he is buried in the forest somewhere and then under him is more text that is uh put into a cypher um so I took these words that were uh, ciphered and I was able to decode them. They're a pretty simple uh, Caesar cipher, which is literally just um, swapping letters of the alphabet over a certain number of um, spaces. So if you do it cipher by one or Caesar by one, it becomes, you know, A becomes B, B becomes C, C becomes D, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, this one was a Caesar 23 cipher. So everything was shifted 23 um characters over so all of the scrambled text uh which is the same cipher that was used in the hashtag for cipher hunt the rest of it translated to the urban legend has come true cipher statues calling you the secret map is in your hand to track the clues across the land 
Don't forget it's all for pleasure. The hunt itself's the real treasure. But a prize awaits the first one there. Be safe, be smart, and of course, beware. Uh, and then above the image of Cypher, there were five uh, numbers, 8, 15, 10, 19, 5, uh, which looked like they were a simple just numbers to alphabet cipher. Yeah. Uh, but it's it it's not that simple. Um, because those translate to letters which I tried to run into the Caesar cipher and didn't get anything out of. And I realized that those letters were um they were reversed. So instead of it being like instead of finding H out of the eight, like I thought I was supposed to, I had to find I lost this part of my note. Um but I had you go you go backwards from the back of the alphabet, and those came together, and they spelled. Oh, what did they spell? I don't have that written down. I figured out what they spelled. I don't remember what they spelled. Mine. What did those spell? They spell pines. Pines. Right. 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 Okay. So pines from the show, and then the other thing, which is where uh, I got a little stumped, I guess. Um, is that the um, there are some red letters in this? Uh, it is U X V V L D, and if you put that into the same cipher, it spells Russia. So my bags are packed, and my flight leaves in a couple hours, Marn. But what should I look for when I get to Russia? Because that's where I got stopped. <laughs> so yeah, there there is obviously a big uh, real world component to this. So <laughs> I didn't think that you were gonna get that far. <laughs> Okay, well, good. I'm glad you didn't expect me to fly to Russia for this. But I am assuming, um, I didn't put this together before, but I, I'm i assuming that this, um, the two images in the middle of this diagram are of some kind of memorial or some kind of um, a location that would be understandable based on these maps. I, I assume it's a map of an area and then where you would find a clue. Am I yes. close? Yeah, you are. Um before I go into that, I wanted to give a tiny bit of context from a the perspective of someone who watched Gravity Falls. Okay, so, I, I should probably start this off and say that I have not seen Gravity Falls. It looks very fun and cute, I just haven't given it a shot. Oh, you would love it. I, I Gravity I, Falls. I know that I would, it's just... They have it's, a little... They have a little hidden cipher in the end credits of every episode. Shit, that's 100% my shit. I know. I'll get to it when I'm done with Chernobyl. So, um, in the season finale, or the series finale, rather, of Gravity Falls, um, there, it's actually not that much spoilers. (laughs) No, go ahead. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, like, describe the plot of the series finale. (laughs) So in the Um, season finale, Dipper dies. Uh, (laughs) So in, in this series finale of Gravity Falls, uh, there was a cipher hidden in the last episode um, that reads, uh, it's a visionaire cipher, which is you need a phrase to decode it. Uh, okay. So it decodes to secrets lost and statues found beyond the rusty gates. And the phrase that decoded it was hidden deep within the woods, a buried treasure waits. Huh. And uh, the last thing in the end credits was a like a little piece of footage of this that's just a a picture of it so the last 
Yeah, so the very last thing in the end credits of the series finale episode was a very short video clip of a a real-life statue of Bill Cipher in real-life woods. And that's... Um, that's the image that's in the uh that's in the tweet. Yeah. So, um the Gravity Falls team didn't say anything about the statue for like I think almost 2 months after the thing came out, but like people Oh no, it was a while. Uh the last one the series finale came out in February and this ARG started in July. Okay. Um and when the series finale came out, uh, a lot of people were like, oh, there's like a real statue in the woods somewhere. We're going to have to find it eventually, maybe. Okay. Uh, they were they were kind of waiting for the, the team to put out word about it or like maybe where it is. And then in July, Alex Hirsch tweets this thing and everyone's like, oh, shit, it's about to go down. <laughs> Like, I remember this because I, I follow him on Twitter and I uh, follow Gravity Falls stuff because I really like the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember just, like, the entire fandom, like, Reddit and Twitter and everyone went, like, absolutely apeshit when this <laughs> happened. It's like that, that gif from The Office uh, that's like, okay, it's happening. Everyone stay calm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I followed this... I- Sorry, Pretty I always mostly. think of the, 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 the it's happening gifts that always come to my mind are the uh, Elmo gif with the burning. Do you yeah, know yeah, Does yeah, that... yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm glad that you were able to interpret that because that's a really terrible way to describe it. <laughs> I know exactly what, what gif you mean. So, yeah, I've, I followed this one pretty closely um, because I was invested in it and I read along... Uh, with a bunch of the threads on Reddit, and I watched some of the live stream videos of people searching for clues. Uh, mm-hmm. So I know a lot about this stuff firsthand, but okay. unfortunately, a lot of it wasn't near me, so I did it vicariously through the people who were doing the ARG. <laughs> you couldn't go to Russia? No, I couldn't go to Russia. All sadly. right. I mean, some of us have tickets to go, but if you're not dedicated, <laughs> I get it. Uh, so, yes. So they found the Russia clue, uh, and they realized that the diagram of that building is a architectural kind of plan of the Kazan Cathedral in St. Petersburg. Uh, and okay. the, uh, the... The part on the right shows basically exactly where they needed to go to find the next clue. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think people figured out that kind of uh, a a couple months prior to this, Alex Hirsch had been like traveling to a bunch of different countries. And so he had basically left clues like in his wake. (laughs) (laughs) That's super cool. So a couple fans in Russia went to the cathedral in St. Petersburg. Uh, they found the clue, and I believe it was a cipher that decoded to a poem. And the poem is such. Finally, the hunt can begin, so switch your rubles out for yen. Turn left when you're at the shrine's door. When you reach the statue, turn left once more. 
In the leftmost corner in the back is the info that you lack. A sword and crescent mark the clue. Cypher statues calling you. So we're going to Japan? We're going to Japan! All right. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Marm, but there's a lot of shrines there. There are a lot of shrines in Japan. Uh, and the people playing this basically had to reverse engineer uh, the clue because they knew that Alex Hirsch, I guess, had put on Twitter that he was visiting a specific shrine in Tokyo. Okay. Um, they found that he had uh, written and hidden a, a clue there, um, and it was it had a picture of a sword and a little moon with a star, and it was encoded. So someone took a picture, and this was the poem. Consider in your quest for truth the hunter of the fountain of youth. Four hundred before his name is written, outside the gate is where it's hidden. Find what's lost to pass the test, from a shrine that's east to a shrine that's west. So the hunter of the fountain of youth, that's Ponce de Leon, right? Yes. So 400 years before his name is written? So 400 years before he's born? Uh, not quite. Or is, uh, 400 Ponce, uh, is there, is it a street? Yes, it is. 400 Ponce de Leon, outside the gate to where it's hidden, find what's lost to pass the test, from a shrine that's east to a shrine that's west. Uh oh um the um the symbol the 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 um that like scimitar over the crescent yeah that's the shriners right yeah it is is that a okay so a shrine that's east to a shrine that's west might have something to do with shriners yeah you're good at this uh <laughs> you're doing it um and then it has something to do with lost yes. So it's on Penny's boat, <laughs> parked at 400 Ponce de Leon next to the Shriner's dock. Yeah, more or less. All right. So, yes, there's a there's a Shriner's temple in Atlanta, Georgia, um, on 400 Ponce de Leon Avenue. Okay. And they found a missing poster that said Lost on it. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, which is for Waddles, who is... In Gravity Falls, he's Mabel's pet pig. Um, okay, I've seen gifts of this pig. Yes, you have seen Waddles. All right. Um, unfortunately, the poster, by the time they got there, was water damaged because it was outside for oh. God knows how long. <laughs> uh, but they were able to get the text off of it, I think. Okay. Uh, I do like that it says... Uh, Last scene sitting around some rocks near a creek. <laughs> Additional info. Oink, 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 oink. <laughs> okay. uh, it, also, it also had a little uh, encrypted poem, and it had a number to call uh, for, like, if, if found, call this number. Okay. Uh, the poem was this... All right, across from the stones of the springs, you'll find some peculiar things. 
Tied to a root is a lone pink key. Dig to find what waits for thee. That was one of the clues, and the phone number was when you call it, uh, you get a message from Grunkle Stan from Gravity Falls, which we can probably play a clip of. On... Yeah, I, I think yeah. I can splice that info in here. Yeah. So Grunkle it's, it's Stan re- says... Hello, it's Grunkle Stan, and I have a riddle for you. What has two legs during the day, four legs during the night, and uh, it's red and white, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm no good at this riddle. It's an ochre court, all right? The next clue, it's an ochre court. It's um, it's like a like a big old building in Rhode Island. And you go up the stairs, and there's going to be a bunch of pictures of nuns on the wall. you, you got to look behind one of the nun pictures. Sister Mary Hilda Miley. Real, real grouch, that nun. Lift up the picture. You find the clue behind the nun, all right? That's, that's the whole thing. Don't, you know, be careful with the picture. Don't break it. I don't want you to get anyone in trouble. All right? You don't, you don't want Uncle Stan going to jail. Anyway, go to the place, look behind the nun, find the thing. Um, and, uh, uh, and always be, look out for mysteries. Um, okay. So kind of throughout the ARG, uh, Alex Hirsch had like different phone messages of like him voice acting different characters from Gravity Falls, which is very cute. Oh, did um, he did he voice Grunkle Stan in yes, the show? He okay. voiced a couple characters of the show. Gotcha. Um so I sorry, I want to interject here. I do like the idea of having this guy just like Alright, we need a clue for our next uh spot on the ARG tour. Uh, what if we just have people call a guy and he just says, I don't know, go here. Yeah, that works for me. It's very funny. Um, this is this is fun. I I like this. So we're trying to find this statue. We're going all around the world. This is yes. dope. And so they had basically two conflicting clues because they had the ochre court and they had the pink key. Uh, okay. And it turned out that... Spoilers, the pink key one uh, was a clue for later that they needed to hold on to. Okay. They had a couple of people go to Ochre Court, uh, but unfortunately they found out that the university uh, where Ochre Court was had gotten rid of the clue. Oh no. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I was actually uh, kind of surprised that the one was left over in Japan than in Russia. Yeah, and so uh, I think people contacted the university, and then the university shared on Twitter, and they were like, hey, uh, there's no clue here, please don't come and look for it. Uh, Alex Hirsch said that he was going to release a new clue on Twitter, uh, (laughs) and basically asked people not to uh, go there and and look for the clue. So there were two clues released on Twitter uh, in the interim uh, by this other Gravity Falls Twitter who I think was like part of the marketing team or had like contacts on the marketing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was a poem that said, the nuns have won, but the battle's not lost. <laughs> we are still far from done. Find the pink key or pay the cost. Okay. So we need to find this key. Uh, the second clue was, 
When one, when one branch closes, another path may still be open. Return to what was and try again while awaiting something new. Okay, so is that go back to the place in Georgia? So, yeah, so the fans were like, do we have to go back to Georgia? Um, do we have to look at the poster? And then uh, at the time that he had said that he would release a new clue, Alex Hirsch uh, tweeted the, the phone number again. Oh, and said, duh, okay. Yeah, and said to leave a message, uh, and it had a new answering machine message, which was... A man whose first name is his last. A statue honoring his past. Right behind him, by the sign of his park, a golden head shows light in the dark. I don't know what that means. Glad I don't have to go out there and figure this out. Wonder what's on TV. Okay, so find a guy with the same first and last name, find a statue of him, and then look behind it, there will be the clue. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who I know that has the same first and last name. I do know someone. Um, fuck, what was his name? Gregory Gregory? <laughs> I believe it was. Yes, uh, so I, I lived abroad for a couple months um, and studied abroad while I was in college at a place called Harlexton College, um, which is this old manor house that my university owned. Um, but it was found years ago. It was founded years ago by a man named Gregory Gregory. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So uh, there were a lot of Gregory things around, um, but we used to make fun of Gregory Gregory a lot. I doubt it's him. It is not. Okay. Who are we looking for, Mark? So we are looking for uh, Griffith Park in Los Angeles. Oh. With the statue of Griffith J. Griffith. His name was Jim Griffith J. Griffith? Yes. Okay. I did. The more you know. Okay. Isn't that like the most like fancy industrialist name you've ever heard i mean my guy founded a manor house so i really can't talk but yeah that's a hundred percent yeah he also looks exactly like you would expect someone named griffith j griffith his name is griffith jenkins griffith (laughs) the j stands for jenkins marn yeah we're gonna get angry letters from someone named like cody cody (laughs) <laughs> Wikipedia says that uh, he shot his wife, apparently. <laughs> Jesus. It okay. Says that, it I'm says gl- that his, his legacy was marred by his notorious shooting of his wife. Oh, well, luckily, he he did serve a whole two years in prison for shooting his wife. Two years in- oh, he didn't kill her. I, I, I assume that's why. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, oh spouse, Mary Agnes Christina Mesmer, from 1887 to 1904, semicolon, divorced. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so this guy's great enough that we built a statue to him. Yes. Uh, and we found something there? So, yeah, so they found, um, they went to this park, uh, Griffith J. Griffith Park, and they found a golden sculpt of Grunkle Stan's head. Okay. Uh, and it came with a slip of paper that had code on it and also an invisible ink pen. And it had a new poem. Okay. 
50 plus 50, that's the city. From one angle, it's quite pretty. You'll find a bow tie and one eye. At his head is a rectangle. Stones by the stairs atop the top right angle. The stone with the UV swirl can glow. Find the black pouch that's below. I have no idea. So, uh, they, the players, figured out that, uh, the clue meant Century City, Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Um, and there is a park there that is uh, shaped to look like an Eye of Providence. What is an Eye of Providence? It's the Illuminati Eye. Oh, okay. And the one that Cypher looks like. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, and it even looks, the, the way the buildings are shaped, it even looks like it has a little bow tie. Oh, that's cute. Um, and so this was the, I think, I think this was the first clue where, like, people actually started live-streaming themselves looking for the clue. Okay, cool. And also, uh, Alex Hirsch's, uh twin sister and the voice actor who voices Dipper showed up to help them look for it. Hmm. Which is very cool. I remember watching the live-stream for this. Uh, it was a lot of them walking back and forth around the park and looking underneath stuff. <laughs> Was she part of the game, or was she just into the game? I think she was just into the game. What happened, basically, was that, like, a lot of the Gravity Falls, like, voice actors and crew and stuff, I think, like, vaguely knew that something was going on, but they got really into it as the game progressed. That's very cool. Like, I know I know Jason Ritter, who voices Dipper, got really into it and, like, came out to help fans search for stuff in L.A., Cool. Yeah, and I know he I know I know Jason Ritter did some live streaming of him also searching. That's for very cool. Stuff. It was very neat. So them finding this was a lot of just them walking around the park, uh searching for this uh the stone with the UV swirl. Okay. Um eventually they found just like a rock that had a UV swirl on it in the park. <laughs> I think they were just, like, searching stuff with a black light, uh, See flashlight thing. See pops up. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. They found the pouch. Uh, it had a USB stick with a audio file and a picture of Bill Cipher. Howdy, treasure hunters. Grunk will stand here to tell you about the next clue. Whoa! Who are you? Mm, it is me! Sister Mary Hilda Miley, and I decree that you shall never find the treasure. <laughs> um, some kind of ghost has flown into the mystery shack here. She's, um, she's got a ruler in her ghost hand. Ow! Hey! I am the spirit of seriousness. I hate anything fun. Carbonated beverages, boys and girls holding hands at school dances, and most of all, I hate treasure hunts. Also, knuckles. Ow! Zeus, get the vacuum cleaner. Yes, sir, Mr. Pines. No! My one weakness! A creative solution! I'll be back! You'll never find the treasure! Good job, Zeus. Have a chicken nugget. To me, this is a raise. All right, kids. The next clue is a, a kind of tricky one. You see, this is one that can only be found by someone who is currently in the building it is hidden in. That's right. I'm looking for students at the California State Summer School of the Arts. 
Only CESA students can find this clue. I don't want anybody else going to CESA, alright? It's, you're not allowed in. Only students there are allowed in. Students, scour the sub-level. You'll know it when you see it. And watch out for Sister Miley's ghost! Seriously. <laughs> okay, so the nun shows up to stop them from finding the treasure. Yeah. That's very funny. And this is Mario music in the background. Mm-hmm. Okay, so only students at this specific summer school can find this next clue? Yes. So the clue is at CESA, which is uh, California State Summer School for the Arts, uh, which is on the campus of CalArts, which is uh, California Institute of the Arts, which I believe is where Alex Hirsch went to college. I think that's true, because I yeah. know that a lot of people talk about the CalArts style Derisively. Yeah. Uh, so CESA is a uh, summer school art program for high school students at uh, CalArts. That's really cool. Yeah. And so the clue basically said, hey, if you are enrolled at CESA, you, only you are allowed to go find this clue. Yeah, because I assume that not anyone can get into this high school yeah. summer school. Um, and especially because it was on the sub-level of the building. Right. Okay. Uh, so they found in the sublevel um, their uh, the walls are like full of graffiti and like art by previous students. Um, they found a little graffiti of Bill Cipher and uh, a series of hex codes that decode to coordinates. Okay. Cool. And uh, the coordinates are to Piedmont, California, which is uh, Alex Hirsch's hometown. Cool. Okay, cool. And so in Piedmont, uh, they were like, well, we don't quite know what we're supposed to be doing. So uh, we will use the pink key clue that we are given that we haven't figured out yet. Used the pink key and I think a map that Alex Hirsch seems to have made them. Uh, <laughs> I will link you a picture because it's very funny. Oh, that's very funny. This is very well yeah. drawn. Good work. I like path, 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 path. Yeah. They found a pink key tied to a tree stump and it had with it a little tiny treasure chest. That had a cryptex in it. You know what a cryptex is, right? Uh, that's the... Yes, it's like a box, but it'll have, um, like, the letters all around it to decode. Yeah. And when you do that, it'll open. Not, not like a box, like a tube, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a tube. Huh. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that it was um, coined and apparently invented by Dan Brown. Really? I, I just assumed they were older than that. Huh. The first physical cryptex was created in 2004. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Huh. I just kind of assumed that they were like a known thing when Dan Brown decided to write about them. Yeah. That's almost worse, because he was like, oh, I need a thing for my code to be based on. I'll just make something up. Yeah. That'll be my puzzle. I'll just make a fake puzzle device. <laughs> I mean, okay. it is basically like a word lock, if you think about it. Yeah, but like, it could have just... Anyways. 
Yeah. Huh. Okay. So Dan Brown invented the cryptex, and then this guy used one to hide a thing. Yeah. Um. Okay. And so they figured out that the password to the cryptex was Pines from the okay. original image. Yeah. Uh. And they got uh the seventh clue, and it came with another key. Okay. So, so the pink key, uh, I think was used to open the tiny treasure box. I'm not super sure about that. Gotcha. But I think that was what it was. Uh, the other key came with the clue. Uh, L.A. has the clue you want. 1825 North Vermont. 27128's the box for thee. Don't be puzzled. Use the key. Okay. So, uh, obviously the address was at a P.O. box. And the key was for the P.O. box. So, um, the person who had the key took it to the P.O. box a couple hours later, uh, opened the P.O. box, and found a plastic bag containing 2,000 jigsaw puzzle pieces. Oh, no. Uh, and also a note with a drawing of Bill saying, I hope you like puzzles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I don't like puzzles Um, that much. I'd be out. We're done. And it also had some uh, some Stan bucks, which are like fake Grunkle Stan currency from okay. the uh, from the TV show that had the word Philbrick written in either code or invisible ink on them, uh, which is the name of Stan's father in uh, Gravity Falls, which I don't think panned out to anything. Okay, just flavor. Yeah, I think it was just flavor. Cool. Uh, <laughs> the wiki says the fa- the fans almost immediately got stuck on the puzzle. <laughs> uh, because I'll show you a finished picture of it. It is mostly plain yellow pieces. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, that would be gross. I'm so glad I wouldn't I didn't have to solve this. Yeah, I know they live streamed a little bit of the solving. Uh it took Quite a few days. Um, of I can imagine. A bunch of, I think, fans got together in someone's apartment and they basically took turns, like, sleeping and solving the puzzle. Damn. Um, after two days, they managed to complete kind of, like, bits and pieces of the puzzle and figure out that it was eventually going to be a big picture of Bill Cipher and that there was a gnome and there was, like, a cryptogram. <laughs> Um, and they, but they were like, we don't completely know how this is going to piece together. Um, Alex Hirsch tweeted a, a picture that was basically a guide, uh, to what the puzzle should look like, but the code was different so that it wouldn't just like solve the thing for the players. Okay. Uh, the, so just the, like, uh, a... the code. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Basically the code on his version just said like, this is where the clue will be. <laughs> um after two more days uh alex hirsch posted more images of the puzzle and also uh i think a fan on like reddit or discord made a digital version of the puzzle okay um, to kind of for the fans to use as a guide um the fans kind of used the digital version as a guide and uh, used Photoshop to splice in the images that Alex Hirsch had tweeted to figure out where everything went. And um, 
they managed to solve the puzzle digitally, which is very cool. Huh. Okay. So, how did, what did the puzzle decode to? What was the what was the clue from the puzzle? Uh, the code says corner of northeast Tillamook, east north northeast Rodney. Okay, so that's basically um, an address. Yeah, and so basically this clue actually got solved um, before the puzzle was completed because uh, <laughs> the the progress kind of on the on the code portion kind of reached the point where a fan was able to decode a portion of it and kind of go and solve it almost by accident. <laughs> okay, what what they do? Uh, so they found it on, I believe, the corner of Rodney and Tillamook Street in or- in Portland, Oregon. Um, but then Alex Hirsch uh, promised that if the fans who had the puzzle completed it, he would release the pilot of Gravity Falls online. Ooh, okay. So, hey, you guys already got past this, but if you do solve it, I'll do something cool. That's very neat. Yeah. Um, and so the phys- when the physical puzzle was completed, he also showed up and signed it, I think. That's very cool. Neat. Um, so yeah, both the physical and digital versions were solved. Uh, I think the pilot got released. I know he said if the digital version got solved, he would release something else, but I don't know if that ever happened. Huh, um, okay. A- so the way that the Portland clue was found is kind of bonkers. Uh, because basically a fan in Portland kind of found it completely by accident. Okay. Um, they, so it was figured out before the puzzle was done, but, uh, just a random Gravity Falls fan, uh, was walking on this street and spotted a lawn gnome, uh, and he had been keeping up with the puzzle solving on Twitter and was like, oh, there's a gnome in the puzzle. What if this is a Gravity Falls thing? (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. I know. Hey, guys, Um, I found a clue. Do you need this? Yeah. That's incredible. He found a gnome, um, a Viewmaster, which is one of those, like, children's toy things that yeah. you yeah you know what it is yeah um and the ninth clue which is to the redwoods you must race if you're confused you're in the right place the gift shop is not too far the password will buy the eyeball jar okay and the viewmaster slides uh depicted the area around confusion hill in california oh okay yeah um, which is a kind of like tourist trappy area in California of like just like a weird Is that where um is that that weird house? It might be. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Where like the house is made of a bunch of um optical illusions and like foreshortening yes, stuff yes, yes. to confuse it's, people? It's, yeah, it's one of those. Okay, I've heard of this place. And I think there's one in Oregon, too. But yeah, the uh, the Mystery Shack in Gravity Falls is based on places like this. Okay. Is that the main setting? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the main setting is the Mystery Shack, which is like a, a weird tourist trap full of, like, fake cryptid paraphernalia that Grunkle Stan runs. Basically the Necronomicon from yes. the new Adventure Zone 
Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um. So a fan went to confu- went to Confusion Hill. Uh, they managed to brute force uh the passcode on this jar of fake eyeballs, uh, which turned out to be Philbrick, which was on the stand the stand yeah. box. Yeah. It had a um, a password for the jar. I think so. I think okay. they had to. I think they had to give the passcode to like the person running the like the front desk or something to get it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. They took the jar. Uh, the tenth clue was on the bottom. It says, "Where has my grunkle gone?" To Stanley Street in Oregon. A telephone pole is where he's at. Why would he have to bolt like that? Uh, and the and bolts is underlined. Okay. So they figured out that uh, they were looking for telephone poles in on Stanley Street, which is in Amity, Oregon. All right. Uh, this next part is interesting. The wiki says a group of fans went to Stanley Street as instructed and found a geocache bolt and then somehow lost it before finding it again. <laughs> this is why you don't do dead drops for ARGs. I love something, players, but players are dumb. It <laughs> always happens. Exactly. We're going to lose it and refind it. That's very funny. <laughs> so they find this geocache uh, bolt, and it has the clue inside, which says, Roger Toft knows the place behind a sign buried at the base near Pa's laundry on the hill. Here lie the bones of a man named Bill. Okay, so that's where the statue's buried, we think? Maybe. I don't know if triangles have bones but that seems like it works yeah is roger toft a person in gravity falls no he's a real person i think okay um yes he is the creator of the enchanted forest amusement park in oregon huh okay so i i i'm pretty sure this one was live streamed too i remember watching people look for this um because there's a little place in the park called Paz Laundry. Um, a couple fans went there and looked to f- looked for it. Uh, they dug around in this like dirt enclosure, uh, but they didn't find anything. Uh, eventually, Alex Hirsch realized that uh, the clue had already been taken by someone, uh, and the person who took it posted it on twitter uh it was just a piece of paper with a encoded clue okay uh the clue do you scrambled to return to where it all began the final clue is in your hand the parchment can be such a tease the answer is written in the trees oh shit the um the first clue yeah the answer is written in the trees um on the back of the uh, of the enchanted forest clue uh there was a dotted red there's a dotted red line leading to an x like a treasure map uh and it could be combined with the dotted red line found on the original cipher hunt uh okay image. yeah okay and, uh basically fans 
were like, okay, we can do this. Uh, they used the clue and the map to search for the statue in a couple places. A lot of people thought that like there was something encoded in the trees, uh, the drawing of the trees behind the statue in that image, uh, and they were like, well, maybe there's a word here. Um, yeah, that's what I was looking for, but I don't see anything. Yeah, I, I remember people doing that. It was like an insane endeavor, because a lot of people were like, oh, I totally see this word, and then people would be like, no, you're just making that up. Uh, Do you remember when, uh, before Endgame came out, um, the the directors tweeted a weird random image, and they were like, Yes! The answer's here, and if you looked at it, like, if you squinted, it spelled out Endgame. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking for something like that, and I don't see anything. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people were thinking that. I... Um, and there were a lot of arguments over if it said anything at all or what it said. <laughs> uh, eventually, after a few days, Alex Hirsch hopped on Twitter and was like, do you guys want a hint? Everyone was like, yes, please give us a hint. <laughs> uh, he tweeted, an urban legend arcade game gives the method's correct name. Mathematically, the letters hide in branches and knots, no matter the side. Oh, a Polybius. Yeah. Okay, because that's the game that people say did exist, but didn't, and it, like, killed kids or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, they figured out that uh, the pattern of the branches and knots in the trees on the uh, poster is, can be converted to numbers and then decoded by a Polybius square. Okay. Which is a it's a it's a grid code uh, that uses pairs of numbers and turns them into letters. Gotcha. So what does it spell? Where are we going? So the way that they they did this was they figured that the location had to end with the letters O R for Oregon because they knew that they were probably looking in Oregon. Okay. Uh, and they kind of cracked it in reverse, uh, and they got Reedsport O R. That's how we, uh, that's how we cracked the, uh, the Enigma cipher. Yeah. Just looked for Heil Hitler and German <laughs> messages, and then you just reverse engineered the rest of it from there. Uh, and so they use the treasure map. They assume that it was, uh, either a map through one of the parks in the city or, like, a forest in the city. Um, and... They searched through Google Maps uh, for a path that the dotted line actually fit on, and they eventually found one on the end of South 22nd Street in Reedsport. Okay. Um, I remember there were like a ton of live streams. Everyone wanted to be the first one <laughs> to find uh, the cipher. Yeah. Statue. And uh, I remember just, like, watching a live stream for, like, two hours of a bunch of people, like, tromping around in a park looking for something, anything. That's incredible. Um, but on August 2nd, uh, the statue was found. And it was indeed in Reedsport. And then later on, uh, some fans showed up and 
They found a treasure chest in front of the statue. Okay. Uh, just like in, went just back like, and put it later? No. Um, so this was later the same day, I think, or a couple days later. Uh, they found a treasure chest buried in the ground with the statue. Okay. Yeah, there was a there was a treasure chest buried in the ground. Um and it basically contained like plastic coins, like little fake gems. Uh there was Russian and Japanese money in it. Okay. Uh it had a copy of like the Gravity Falls book with uh like hand drawn art by Alex Hirsch added into it. Oh cool. Uh there was a black light, uh and a plastic crown and a sash that says Mayor of Gravity Falls. <laughs> uh and it had a little music box that plays a Gravity Falls theme song and contains a piece of paper, uh, a mini Bill Cipher statue, and a sketch of the main characters of Gravity Falls with the Bill statue and a thumb drive. Cool. Yeah, and apparently some of the currency had gotten marked up by someone who found the treasure before the hunt even started. <laughs> Which is very funny. <laughs> That's incredible. Just like, hey, nerds, you all did this big thing. I found it before you all did. I didn't even need clues. I was just hunting in the woods. Yeah. Love, Bradley. Um, the slip of paper uh, had a message on it that you could find by using the blacklight. Uh, it says... Congratulations on finding the Bill Cipher statue, Bill's final resting place. Whosoever finds the treasure is here by the new mayor of Gravity Falls, so use your title well. Chances <laughs> are you didn't do this alone, so share the wealth. You're an amazing fan. Your pal, Alex Hirsch. That's uh, awesome. And so the fan who originally found the statue changed her Twitter name to Official GF Mayor. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and... When you pass the black light over the uh, the sketch of the characters at the the Bill statue, yeah, uh, it makes the eyes of all the characters glow, and um, Ooh. it says, and it and over congratulations, it says trust no one. <laughs> That's uh, funny. The USB drive apparently had a document that linked to. The Twitter account of the guy who found the box originally, which I guess he added. Huh. A audio file of Grunkle Stan. And a text document with the title of My Ex-Wife Still Misses Me, dot, but her aim is getting better. <laughs> <laughs> which is like a joke from Gra- which is like a, a thing for Gravity Falls that became a meme, basically. Okay, gotcha. On the, on the Reddit. Uh, and this is the phone message. It's basically just like Alex Hirsch saying congratulations in character. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. But I know we'll meet again some sunny day. <laughs> oh, my esophagus. Hey, guys. Congratulations on finding my uh, the mysterious treasure of the, the statue in the forest. 
Um, this is it. This is, you reached the end. You really did it. You really, you looked for it and you found it. And, um, now it's yours. Uh, you know, if you were hoping for some kind of like, you know, like a cash prize, you know, I can't blame you, but the real, the real treasure is the journey and the friends you made along the way. In case you don't have any friends, in which, you know, at least you got some exercise. Um, anyway, you know, take a picture with the statue. And get, shake his hand, that's kind of like a prize. And, uh, tell everybody how you, you did it first. And that makes you the best. Also, you know, if other people helped you, give them some of the gold plastic coins. Share the wealth. Anyway, congratulations. I'm Grunkle Stan, and as I always say, no refunds. The text document, uh, if you open it in like a notepad program or Microsoft Word, it says return backwards to the past again three. Uh, and if you went on one of the Gravity Falls websites, uh, there was a little like username password entry where you could put return backwards as the username and to the past again three. And then okay. you could watch the pilot of Gravity Falls. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. And so that was uh, the end of the treasure hunt. There were some stuff that happened afterwards, though. Okay. Um, there was a property conflict with the statue. Oh? Uh, so on August 3rd, uh, the statue and the treasure, I think, were taken into custody by the cops. Uh, because oh. apparently Alex Hirsch... Bill got arrested. Bill got arrested. So apparently Alex Hirsch had gotten permission from who he thought was the proprietor of the land, uh, but someone else claimed that it was their property and that they didn't want it there. Um, huh. The police ended up just kind of like holding the statue. A couple days later, it ended up in a different park uh, in Reedsport, and it was bolted to the top of a tree, and the treasure box was still underneath the statue. Huh. Uh, and it was missing the hat, because the hat got broken <laughs> when the statue was being moved around. Oh. Um, and then a couple weeks later, Alex Hirsch set, put a thing on Twitter that was like, Hey, any volunteers want to help move the statue uh, to a permanent home? Um a couple fans volunteered, and the statue in the park was replaced by a sign that says Bill was here. Okay. On Twitter, a couple days after people discovered the Bill was here sign, uh, a Gravity Falls fan tweeted that uh, Bill had been moved to an undisclosed location and sent they, a couple pictures to prove it. They just stole him? No, uh, this was one of the fans who basically volunteered to help move oh, the statue okay. to a permanent location. Okay, I thought that just like... No. Okay. Um, and a day or a couple days later, uh, they found that Bill now lives at Confusion Hill. Okay, cool. And that's his uh, permanent place now. Awesome. Um, and... The wiki also says that a bunch of fans have uh, set up a treasure cache where 
he is now, and it's encouraged to kind of, like, take and leave stuff, and also that's where the physical version of the jigsaw puzzle lives now, too. That's really cool. Yeah. When we make the ARG ARG, we're definitely going to make people stop and see Bill. Yeah. That's very cool. That's a very cool game. I like this a lot. It is a cool game. I want to visit it now. Me too. All right. Well, do you want to go ahead and uh, talk about the game? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to Very Random Encounters, where we play tabletop RPGs and randomly determine as much as possible. Remember playing with Legos and swapping the people's heads and limbs to create horrid abominations that God forgot? Our show is what it would be like if those rejected attempts at the human form had to go out and save the day. We turn the nonsense into a story with a nice message, like how friendship is stronger than a mind-controlled goblin jazz band. Hey, that's a thing that really happened. Find Very Random Encounters wherever you randomly determine to listen to podcasts. So, what do you think about the story of this game? I really, like, I mean, there's no real story except for, like, the story that the players made, and that was kind of, like, improvised along the way with, like, the nuns and stuff. Yeah. But I think that it's very cute, and I think that it's a good addition to the mythology of Gravity Falls. Yeah, I don't really know much about Gravity Falls as a whole. I, uh, I'll probably go back. I'm... It's on my list. I'll watch it someday. Um, but this was all pretty fun. It's I like how they were able to incorporate the uh, the ghost nun into the plot after the uh, the initial one was taken away. Um, after that, you know, after that was rendered unsolvable. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of story here, uh, but it's it's neat that you get a I don't know by the person running the game being the character in the show you get to get like in character uh audio clues and stuff like that that's pretty cool um i don't know there's not a lot of story here but the little tiny bit that is is fun and the story is can you find bill yeah Uh, which works really well for the game i Um, agree it's very neat it is neat not a whole lot to say about it so uh (laughs) how many statues buried in the woods out of 10 would you give this one um probably like a five out of ten like i as a as someone who liked gravity falls i liked that a lot of it was in character i like that it kind of adhered to the mythos of the show and i like that it is an interesting story to hear about and tell yeah as someone that doesn't know much about gravity falls it all seems i mean it seems in character from what little bit i know and in tone it didn't get super dark or anything like that which yeah all in all this is very cool and it's neat um having a thing that was in a tv show pop up in the real world um yeah yeah i'd probably give it a five out of ten just because there isn't really any real plot to it but it's very fun uh and it's a neat continuation of a thing that i don't know but it seems neat it makes me very interested in checking out the show, that's for sure. Yeah, you should watch the show. You'll like yeah, it. Yeah, it definitely bumped its way up a couple pegs. You'll is like it, it a lot. Is it streamable anywhere? I actually don't know. I feel like it might be on Disney's weird streaming service, but don't quote me on that. Okay, so I might have to wait till like December when that properly launches. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm about to look it up for you. Okay. Uh, just kidding. Apparently it's on Hulu. Oh, never mind. Uh, maybe I'll pop that in tonight. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, so yeah, I I'll I'll pop that in. Uh, what better response to an ARG is there than it worked as a proper thing or a proper um, ad for the thing that it is? Yeah, uh, it's perfect. good. It's it's one of those kid shows that goes from kind of being like monster of the week to like kind of very slowly becoming very like lore heavy. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Alright, so what do you think about the puzzles in this game? I like the puzzles in this game. I think as a example of like an ARG scavenger hunt, this is a really good example. Uh, because the puzzles weren't like too wildly diverse, but there was still a pretty good range of like oh, the players have to, like, decode this really hard thing, and, like, oh, they just have to solve this riddle. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know that we've ever, I think we've talked about stuff around this, but never, uh, put a word to it, but, um, I like that they use the same cipher every time. It's always the same, like, Caesar shifted, I guess shifting Caesar 23 in one direction is just three in the other, so... It's just a three space shifted cipher, uh, which is really easy and identifiable. And when you see jumbled up letters in block text, you know what you have to do with it. Um, I think that's a really good connecting element for ARGs to have. And I like that they do it really well. They establish it in the first puzzle that the game is based around. And then anytime it comes back or anytime you see it elsewhere, you know exactly what you have to do after you've done the hard part. I like that a lot. Yeah, and I think especially for, like, Gravity Falls fans who had been decoding stuff in the show for years, like, a lot of them learned to recognize certain ciphers on site. Like, they could look at something and say, like, this is a Visioneer cipher, or this is a Caesar cipher. Gotcha. Okay. I, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I didn't realize there was that much to decode in the show, but that's cool. Yeah. Um, I like that they used a, uh... The puzzle box that Dan Brown made. I forget what that's called, but I, I like that they did it. And uh, all the other stuff seems... I don't know. The puzzles are um, easy enough that they are designed around a children's television show, but complex enough that it takes a bit to solve them. And I think that that's a really good... I don't know. A really good level to shoot for is uh, tough but fair. I like yeah, that a lot. I agree. What do we think about replayability? As far as replayability goes, I mean, um, unfortunately, all of the puzzles lead together and point to a place that's no longer there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know how well defined all the stuff is if it's still where it uh, was before, but uh, the puzzles are all pretty solvable still. Um, I was able to get a bunch of stuff in the first, uh, the first part, and then... Um, from there, assuming you'd be able to travel to Russia and the stuff was still there, all of the stuff that's collected in the wiki that you used, um, the riddles are all smart enough and easy enough that you can solve them still. Uh, and they kind of lead from one to another pretty well. You hit a little hiccup with the uh, the poster of the nun, but that yeah. got solved pretty quickly and uh, fixed up around. So uh, I'm excited about this. I, I, I like how replayable this one is. Um, yeah, I think... Ju- I think a benefit to all the answers being, like, places are that places don't move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. And it's, um, 
when you're trying to find a city name, it's a lot easier than yeah. trying to find like some obscure thing. I I like that a lot. All right. So how how would how would we rate it? Um, out of children staying with their uncle on summer vacation, right? Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, I would give this uh probably seven children out of ten. Yeah, I think seven. And did we, uh, wait, did we write the puzzles? <laughs> uh, we didn't skip it. You skipped it. Um, oh. How many cast members embarking on a secret quest at a showrunner's whims would you give this one out of ten? I think a nine for out of ten. For puzzles. Yeah, I think a nine out of ten is perfect for this game. Uh, these puzzles are really cool. They're very clever. They're very smart. Um, and they're fun. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff going on during this ARG. I like this a lot. Yeah. This real world solving is really neat. Uh, yeah, it is. Especially if you have this kind of live streaming community that's able to broadcast it i yeah i agree i think as as far as like i think as far as like real life treasure hunt args go this is one of the like i would say like the shining examples yeah i like that the uh the the statue's still out there it's not where it was initially but it's yeah there in a spot that's uh you can visit it i want to now i don't i don't know gravity falls but i want to visit the statue now me too. <laughs> All right. So do we want to get into recommendations for the week? Uh, yes, we should do that. All right. Uh, Marn, what is your recommendation for the day? Um, my recommendation for the day is the album Spirit Phone by Lemon Demon. That is a good one. Uh, and I picked it because uh, Neil Cesariga's sister was an animator on Gravity Falls and I don't know if you knew this, but he wrote a theme song for Gravity Falls that they didn't end up using, but you can still find it on the internet. Gravity Falls is not what you call a super town. Though like any other town, all the people rest up the news request when the sun goes down. But that is when the mayhem awakens and madness crawls out of nowhere. We go where adventure calls. He wrote a thing where he sang as Cypher, didn't he? He did, yeah. And he wrote a song for uh, the series finale that also didn't get used. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know neither of them got used. That's funny. Um, okay. What, uh, what do you like about Demon Phone? Demon Phone? <laughs> what? No, fuck. What did I just call it? What, did, what do you like about Spirit Phone? Uh, Spirit Phone is... So I've been a Lemon Demon fan since, like, probably middle school but um spirit phone came out around the time that i was also super into gravity falls uh it's a really 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 good album uh most of the songs are extremely high concept they're like weird science fiction paranormal stuff uh it's one of the few albums that i have on my computer and just will listen to over and over and over again uh, because the songs are just genuinely so good. I don't think there's a track on there that I dislike. 
Uh, and if you get the version that has the bonus tracks, uh, one of them is kind of like a revamp of his Gravity Falls theme into like an original song. Yeah, it's it's a really cool album. I really like um, I have the album and a bunch of the bonus tracks that are a lot of fun. Um, I listen to Sweet Bod more often than I like to admit. Oh, Sweet Bod is so good. There's one song that I basically based an entire D&D campaign around. And I'm trying to remember what... Uh, Man-Made Object I really liked. Oh, yeah. Um, Man-Made Object is really good. Spiral of Ants is a lot of fun. Um, I get uh, Redesign Your Logo stuck in my head all the time, which is yes. a song about the bonkers Pepsi logo redesign. Do you know about that? Yeah. Bonkers it's... PDF. It's so much. Um, yeah, I will. Uh, I will put uh, some clips from songs into this probably, and I'll probably use one of the tracks as our uh, final music. Yeah. Um. Apparently, one of the songs he wrote did make it into Gravity Falls. But see, I, I know more about Gravity Falls than you do, Marn. <laughs> I'm on top of things. But um. But not the Bill song, and not uh the opening song that he wrote which is which is really good and i highly recommend looking it up <laughs> it's it's like extremely catchy and i don't know why they didn't use it <laughs> is that uh on youtube is that neil Ciciarga gravity falls yeah that's the one sorry i think that you said this earlier but i was distracted looking something up but he definitely reused part of this into a different song that's on this yeah, album. Yeah, he did. Is, is that did you say that earlier? Yeah. I'm sorry. I Yeah, all the people rest at the moon's request or something like that. Yeah, he he uh he reused the I think the instrumentals for Moon's Request and then he wrote another Gravity Falls theme that was an instrumental that I think also didn't get used. Gotcha. He's very good. He is <laughs> I you could tell me that anything online was done by Neil Cicierga, and I'd believe you at this point. Just because of how many things I just, like, accidentally and incidentally realized were made by him. Yeah. Like, um, the, the, what is it, Ultimate Showdown of Ultimate Destiny, and then he made, um, uh, Brody Quest, and all the, just, he's my, yeah, he's a good... You could have w entire weeks of just this week. I'm doing a different Neil Cicierga thing as my yeah recommendation. Oh, he's so good. Okay, I found the one that he wrote that actually made it onto the show. It was just like for an ending theme for one of the uh, episodes. <laughs> oh, this is very cute. It's very cute. Goat and a pig. A couple of livestock living their lives stuck together in harmony. A pig a pig and a goat showing the world that a pig and a goat can be family this is great it's so good oh this is really good Another thing by him that I really like is uh, Windows 95 tips, which never gets updated. 
but it's like my favorite thing that he's made. Oh yeah, that Twitter, the uh, the Tumblr account. Yeah, that has yeah. just like fake Windows ninety five error messages. Yes. Also, he's making a point and click adventure game uh, that I, I hope comes out eventually. I can't wait. I'm, I love point and click adventure games, so Me I'm too. very excited. I hope that uh, it comes out eventually because I am excited to play it. I remember he used to do. Uh, like, Twitch streams of him working on it, and it was very cool. Yeah. What's your recommendation for this week? So, I have been packing up my apartment to move a lot this week. We're moving in about a month, so I'm trying to get a head start on things. So, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do much that's new. Um, But I have been reading a book. Um, I'm not very far into it, so I don't want to say too much about it but i've heard enough people say good things about it that i feel comfortable announcing it as a recommendation uh, because i'm liking it so far um but it is a book called ancillary justice by oh i didn't mean to read that so okay if you know what it is i will give a very brief thing to the audience um gonna read from wikipedia a little bit uh, Ancillary Justice is a space opera set thousands of year in the, years into the future where the primary galactic power of human-occupied planets is the expansionist Rach Empire. Um, and it is a story about a woman who, um, you know, a, a soldier who um, finds an old commander that she used to know in the military and uh, is going to use him to try and get revenge on this big empire um, that has wronged her in some way. The twist on this is that the woman that is the main character uh, is an AI who used to be like a battleship, basically. Um, She used to be the AI in charge of like an expansive battleship full of thousands of smaller battleship, like smaller jet ships and stuff like that. Um, And this AI that used to be in charge of this massive empire is now, like, confined to the body of basically a human person equivalent. Um, So she's stuck there and is trying to get revenge in some way. I don't really know why or how yet, but I'm very excited to learn more. (laughs) It's a really cool book. I would definitely recommend checking it out uh, by premise alone. Um, But it's very neat. It's won a lot of awards which i'm realizing as i look at this uh this wikipedia page so maybe you all already know about this but i'm enjoying it yeah i've seen a lot of people talking about it on twitter and i need to read it it's very cool so far i might pick it up for beach reading it takes a lot to get me into a sci-fi book but it sounds like something that i would enjoy i'm yeah i'm not typically one for sci-fi but i'm i'm trying to expand my horizons a bit for as much as I'm into like tech and to a further extent, as much as I'm into like D and D and magic, I'm just not much one for um, sci-fi or fantasy, and I'm trying to break myself out of that. Yeah, I um I get stuck when it comes to like hard sci-fi and like high fantasy with a lot of like mm-hmm. really dense world building. I kind of check out of that. There there's an old XKCD comic about about like fantasy words. Yeah, uh which is like a, a chart of like the probability that a book is good versus oh the number of words made up by the author. It's it just like a, a downward curve, but it's 
the example sentence is like the elders <laughs> of Fra'as guarded the farmlings (parentheses children) with their kratoses, which are like swords but better. Um, <laughs> I and I just I I'm trying to get over that hump of like sneering and throwing stuff away when we get into that, but yeah. I'm enjoying it so far. I think this one's good, uh, and I'm excited to see what I can learn and nice. how I can enjoy it. Should we wrap this up? Yeah. Find us at Argonauts Podcast on Twitter. Uh, if you want to find us personally, I am at AC Sherman Writes. I am at Corpse Survivors. And you can email us at ArgonautsPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, if you're interested, you can join our Patreon that can be found at Patreon.com. That is P U H T R A Y I N. Or if you don't want to make the same mistakes I do, it is patreon.com slash ArgonautsPod. <laughs> and I think we have $2 left to the goal of you reading Ben Drowned. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, you don't have to tell the people about that, but we are very close to getting me to read a dramatic reading of spooky horror stories. Yeah, and if you give us just a dollar a month, you get the episodes early. Yep, you get early episodes as well as uh, Trailheads. Um, for each game that we cover and if you upgrade to a three dollar subscription uh you get uh we'll send you a hand uh we'll send you a uh, we will send you a signed thank you note uh, signed by both of us and there may or may not be a little doodle on that uh we are still collecting some addresses for people on that so it's going to be a little bit before the first batch goes out uh, but we will get those sent fairly soon Uh, with that, I think that's going to wrap it up for us, Marn. I think it is. All right. Well, good night, everyone. Good night.
Inside. 